going to have Sam come up. I'm going to introduce him. Come on up, Sam. So as, um, like I said, when I called Pastor Greg, I said, you know, uh, Sam is coming in. There's an opportunity for him to speak, and I can't really speak more highly of Sam. Um, we actually might, might not even be a base without his guidance and wisdom over us, and especially in my life. Um, Sam works in many restricted, he wanted me to say that, restricted nations. He didn't want me to say what they are. Uh, around the world and has and been in the global leadership team of YWAM. Um, it's been a massive, massive impact in my life and so many, and I know that God is going to really use him this morning. Can we just stretch our hands out to Sam this morning? We're going to pray for him. Jesus, we just pray for Sam this morning that, Lord, this room would be filled with the Holy Spirit, a, a Holy Spirit expectation to, to let you work on our hearts this morning. Let, let us be ready at, at the conviction of the Lord to be ready to go wherever you want us to go. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you. Good morning. I am very honored to be here this morning. And uh, when pastors started to say that, you know, nobody comes to this pulpit that easy, that means he really cares about you. And thank you for... uh, being with us this morning on, online, and uh, hopefully God will begin to release us into a new place. I am so humbled to be with you. I have two spiritual sons here, uh, Jeremy and Mark. Mark is uh, he's the director of YWAM in Pittsburgh, so he's here to speak this week with the school. So it's so wonderful to ride with them, and they were just nourishing my soul. They were, they're good for my soul. And uh, this morning, I was uh, woken up, and I felt like the Lord was wanting to speak. Uh, my topic for today is the God of our battles, and how uh, your first song was about the Lord who fights our battles. And then the pastor comes up and talks about battles. So I know this is um, a word for all of us, um, and I'm sure you would uh, enter in with a new understanding of how good our God is to us. Amen? There are three kinds of battles, actually, and uh, I, I respect the pulpit time, so I will be very, very quick in uh, telling you what those three battles are, and then go into preaching. How's that? Is that all right? Amen? All right. There's seasonal battles, there's cycles of battles, and there's daily battles. Seasonal battles are one of those battles that God allows that to happen, and primarily it's to uh, deal with our character. And when our character is developed and strengthened, then we can face the tests of time. Cycles of battle also comes in cycles. It comes in periodic times of our life. We, we cannot predict when and how and how long it will last. And those battles are initiated by the powers of darkness just to demolish uh, our ability and the possibility of our walking in the spiritual authority that God has given you and me as children of God. And so it really deals with so much uh, of what we do. And 
it may, its main attempt is to malign our character and make us feel like we don't measure up. And that's the cycles of battles. And each one a battle is different to each other, and each one goes through that. And none of us are uh, exempt from these battles. And the daily battles is the constant battle of your mind. It's basically to deceive us into believing lies so that we think smaller of ourselves than what we see in the world. Uh, yes, we can quote scriptures and all of that, but yet we don't believe in the presence of God that dwells in us. Is somebody listening to me? Because it's very important to know that on a daily basis, the enemy uses all kinds of stuff to bombard us to believe in the lies that he's sowing. And he's the father of lies. And so he sows those seeds of discord and those lies to undermine the very authority that God has given us as children of God. Based on John chapter 1, we see as many as them that have received him to them gave he power to be children of God. The power to be children of God. He undermines that. We are supposed to be the ones that have authority in the spiritual realm that is affected in the physical realm. Amen? So those are the three kinds of battles and if uh, on another time maybe we can talk more about it. But there is a battle that uh, you and I are familiar which is in the Bible that you have probably heard many sermons on and so have I. And in, uh, but this morning I want to treat it differently for us. And that is uh, the battle that we see in Second Chronicles chapter 20. And I, um, and I want to read a, a, just a couple of scriptures and just uh, launch right into it. Um, and I just want you to come and visualize something in, in, in this whole battle situation that Jehoshaphat is facing. And that's why I call this the God of our battles. Amen? And so here we find Jehoshaphat sitting... Um, he's actually doing really well, and he was a good and righteous king. And at this point of time, an intelligence report comes to him. A spy uh, comes and gives the news. And the news was that there is a huge multitude coming. Huge multitude is coming at you. At the hearing of this, Jehoshaphat's heart starts to melt. He starts to allow fear to come in. And when fear comes in, there is a huge possibility for you and I to make faulty decisions. And when fear sets in and when we allow fear, we, uh, we are paralyzed. We don't know what to do or we, we're just stuck in between. Those are those moments that uh, we get into. And now in that situation, it's not that Jehoshaphat didn't have an army. If you look in Second Chronicles 17, you'll see a whole uh, census taken about the vastness of his army, the, the commanders and all of that, all mentioned, the battalions, all put together. He had a million and sixty thousand battle-ready soldiers. And not only that, he had fortified cities where all the arms and all the uh, 
you know, whatever that uh, uh, the soldiers need, they have free access and very quick access to that. He was a very brilliant king. With one million soldiers at his hand, and he's still having fear. What might be that multitude that's be- before us, uh, before him? And this year is some season that we have suddenly thrusted into where we hadn't planned for. And so many lives had been affected in so many different ways. And in all of that affecting, some form of fear sets in. And I believe God wants us to understand that with God for us, who can be against us? Amen? If God for us, who can be against us? And so in this passage, you see what happens here is um, um, the the news that comes in is in 2 Chronicles 21 and 2. But I want to concentrate on 2 Chronicles 20 verse 12. And it says here, this is um, Jehoshaphat. The moment he heard, he was at a loss. He didn't know what to do. He did not know what to do. He had the army and everything. He could have easily staved. That's what he, uh, um, foolish kings would do. But he had to come to a place and say, and that's the beauty and of, of a leadership. He exposes um, the level of humility that he says, I don't know what to do. And so he calls the whole nation together and for a fast in praying. And in that assembly, he says this. He's looking at God and amongst all the things that he's speaking to God, he says, For we have no power against this great multitude that's coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. There are times in your life and in my life we come where all our options are gone. There's no more options left. And we are set to face something in your life and in my life where we have entered into battles where we are pushed back to the wall and we are wondering, now what do I do? Everything that you had as an option going to the power centers. When When you're in that kind of place... Where we think this person or that person or that entity or that power center could help us. And it's all off the table now. And you have nothing to face. Especially when you're facing a job loss or sickness or, um, you know, uh, things like something that you didn't plan for. It affects us. Strained relationship, broken relationships, all of these things combined. We come to a place sometimes, we, we say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I wonder how many of you have ever had that kind of experience in your life journey. I've had those kinds of experience so many times. And so when he says, we, but our eyes are on you. Dearly beloved, the church sometimes, I'm talking not Shiloh, I'm talking church at large. Sometimes what happens is our eyes are off the Lord and we look and lean to the logic and the rationale of things of how we should uh, work this out. 
how we should enter into this place and how should we do it. We, yes, God has given us a brain. Yes, God has asked us to think about some things. But we lean so much on the rationale that we forget about looking at God. And here he's saying, but my eyes, our eyes is on God. And then something happens. The Spirit of God falls. The Spirit of God falls. And it falls on a person. An insignificant person. In fact, the way they uh, introduce him is son off, son off, son off, son off. Son off, son off, son off, son off. That's the first time his name has ever been mentioned. And it's the last time. And never again do we hear of this man, Jehiel. And the Spirit of God comes on him. And the boldness that comes over him. And he's saying, listen, you citizens of Jerusalem. And then he looks at the king. Can you imagine this? This is a ordinary guy, and he's pointing. I wasn't there, but I can imagine this. He's pointing at the king, and he says, you, king, Jehoshaphat, and he speaks the word of the Lord, and he says this to him, position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. That's in verse 17. He says, position yourself, stand still, And see the salvation of God. Three things. First, to position yourself. That any one of us do. But for Americans, the second part is very difficult. To stand still and do nothing. I mean, we got to do something, right? We've got to get the phone tree growing. And we have to get this person coming in. We have to do this and we have to do that. God's saying, shut up. Just stand still. Pardon me, I, I just didn't mean to be rude, but I, I kind of feel the, the kindness of God saying, just, just stay still, okay, Sam? Just don't overdo this. Some of us overdo things, and God's saying, stand still. It's contradictory to the present, current reality that we are facing. In that current reality, can you imagine God says, don't do anything? And we're saying, yeah, right. You're right. We got to do something. Yeah, God's there. He's always with us, but we got to do something. But He says, stand still. And you shall see the salvation of God. That word salvation in Hebrew is a direct meaning of that is physical rescue. Today, how many of you would like to see a physical intervention of God in your personal life, in your home? And in church, that, that rescue that says, I am that God. Now, who is this God that we're talking about? Who is this God that we're talking about? You know, from if ever I'm lost somewhere, this is the chapter that I land on all the time. And that is in Isaiah 40. It says this, from one end of the universe... To the other end of the universe, it's a, and it's still being created, it's 120 billion light years. And what does he say there? I span it. I can't span this one, two, 
three. I can't span it. It's three spans. I'm five feet, eight inches. That means I have to be almost 17 feet tall just to make my span here. Think about God. How huge, how huge and awesome he must be when he says, I span the heavens. You know, in the same scripture, he says, the earth is my throne and the, I'm sorry, the heavens is my throne and the earth is my footstool. And you know what it means? It means he can kick the earth into oblivion and nobody can find it. I mean, can you imagine how awesome our God is? And yet you and I look at him and we complain. You know, the same pa- in the same passage, you see God digging up some dirt and putting it on a weighing scale and he throws it and he makes the Rockies and the Andes and the Swiss Alps and the Himalayan range. Man has yet to create a weighing scale to lift one of your smallest hill here in Manchester, if there's a hill here. Can you imagine God taking that? How strong is my God? How strong is he? And, you know, in the book of Revelation, he says he carries seven stars in his right hand and no sweat. You know, sometimes I travel with my wife, and, I, and our airport is a very small airport. It's about maybe 40, 50 feet from the door to the check-in counters. And I'm pulling the suitcase and I'm thinking, what in the world is she carrying in that suitcase for just three-day trip? And I'm sweating. And here God says, I'm taking seven stars. And, you know, kind of, uh, it doesn't say he juggles, but she's holding. And no sweat. Hello? Do this with me. Can you take your left hand out like this? Please, don't worry. You won't get leprosy. If you do, I'll pray for you. And and then you just put your right hand over it, just like that. Just pass it over. When you pass over there, there's a little uh, hollow here. It's a little depth, and it's called hollow of your hands. What's it called? Come on, you can do better than that. You can say that at home while you're watching this. Mark, how much water can you put in that hollow? Because your hand is uh, way bigger than mine. Teaspoon. Teaspoon. All right. You? An ounce. ounce. See, he's going in the measurement of ounce, and he's going. Usually women say teaspoons because that's how they measure. And uh, (laughs) the guys say ounce and all of that stuff. You know, have you ever been to the sea here? He's saying, Sam, we live here by the sea. What are you talking about? Have you ever gone to the sea and said, I can put the Atlantic Ocean in, my, in the hollow of my hand? This is God. He says, I have the Atlantic Ocean. I have the Pacific Ocean. I have the Indian Ocean. I have the Arabian Sea. I have the Bay of Bengal. I have the Red Sea. I have all the waters in, of the earth in one hand. That's just one hand. That's my God. I don't know about your God. That's my God. That's the God that Jehoshaphat was standing before. Is there anything too difficult for my God to do? If you have that, 
image of God. My God is so big. My God is so strong. My God is so amazing that his hand is not short to come and reach out to you and me. That's my God. I don't know about your God. You know what? We have problems. God has no problems with our problems. He has problems with our solutions. You know, I've been in intercession prayer meetings before, and they are advising God. Just could you tell me at the sound booth, when I have the last five minutes, you can just do this so that I can wrap it up real quick. When I get excited, we Indians just, we have the moment and we have the time, but we don't have the schedule. (laughs) Are you with me? But I respect the pulpit time, so I will be um, careful. I don't know what I was saying. I forgot. I have ADD, you know. So, here God, if he is that what we just entered in looking at that image of God, why then should we Given to fear. As pastor was saying, if I had an eight feet tall dude and 350 pounds, can you imagine God? I mean, he's not eight feet, man. He's infinitely tall because he says I can span. Whoa, no messing around with that guy with me. Are you with me? Are you with me? And here we're standing in a situation and he says, position yourself. He took four postures. I might get to one and then we'll close. It's okay. But the other three, I will just say it. Is that okay? All right, thank you. So he positioned himself first in the presence of God. Because when you position yourself in the presence of God, it increases your faith. No matter what your battle is, dearly beloved, it is Good to position yourself in the presence of God, which means you don't have to tell him. He knows our problem. But when you tell him our problem, you know, in intercession, sometimes it's, oh, God, uh, speak to the bank manager so that he can give me $50,000 just to uh, tide over my economic um, cash flow and my crisis here. Oh, Lord, just bring healing to this. Oh, Lord, break somebody's leg so that I can go and pray and they will be healed and they will know your Jesus. Oh, Lord, just put a tennis ball in my mother-in-law's mouth. <laughs> you know, we, we pray all kinds of prayers and God is saying, hold it. What are you praying about? Hello? I mean, my wife has been praying for me 34 years to change me. And God is saying to her, if you stop praying that, I will change them. You know what I mean? I wish you was here. We have fun with that constantly. I have permission. Every time I mention her name, I have to give her $5. So she's not here, so I can freely talk about her. (laughs) Are you with me? And so here, when you are in the presence of God, it increases your faith. And it's in that, when Jehoshaphat stood, 
God said, the battle is mine, not yours. You know, when I was a national director of India a long, long time ago, and uh, I had a message that came to me from one of our mission stations. And so I had to go there. The fastest I could get there was two days later. And the story is this, and I'll compress it as quickly as I can. There was a, a, a group of people that came with machetes and sticks to our mission station, and they w- were just simply attacking our station. And they're not Hindu militants or Islamic terrorists, but they were Christians of another denomination. Go figure. So they came and they pulled our director from there and they started to beat him and he started to say, we are people of peace. Can you, we can talk this. What, what did we do? But they didn't hear. And they went, you know, when madness overtakes rationale, you don't know what they are going to do next. And they were beating him with sticks. And his two-year-old daughter saw this and she knew something was wrong. Something was wrong happening to her her father. So she walks towards the father and says, Papa, Papa, and she's going. And another two more steps, that stick will land on her head and there will be brains plattered on the ground. But uh, one of our girls, our missionary girls, saw this and she ran and picked up the girl and ran about maybe 30 yards away to the girl's house. And the crowd saw this, and they started to follow her. I mean, they actually ran with her. And she went into the house and secured the door and secured the windows and everything, and they screamed, Ow! I mean, come on. That was not the time for them to say, Oh God, a gracious heavenly Father, we come before your throne. Have In your mercy, have compassion upon us. Oh Lord, have you... No, they didn't have time for all that. They didn't have time for anything. They were just screaming because they did not know what would happen to them next because they were pounding at the door. At that moment, this two-year-old girl, two-year-old girl who does not know how to speak English, said this, why are you afraid? And so the, the girls thought, oh, that's kind of cute. Maybe she got that from one of the outreach teams that went through the base. But it was a second line. It was a second line that got their attention. And that second line was, Don't you know you're the apple of my eye? Can you imagine that? At that hearing, the screaming ceased and they went into... Song, one of the hill songs, My Jesus, My Savior. And they started to sing that. They went on singing, and the pounding continued and slowly receded after an hour or so. And it stopped. Two year old girl. Two years ago, I met her. She was betrothed to be married, and now she's married. I met her and her mother. Her father has gone to be with the Lord. I said, do you remember the prophetic word? Dearly beloved, at home or wherever you are, 
When you are in trouble, it is the word of the Lord that will set the whole thing around you in a new place of seeing God will make you thrive in the midst of trouble. Are you with me? Are you all with me? English is not my first language, so I'm trying hard here. In the midst of your trouble, in your midst of confusion, in the midst of your indecision, in the midst of whatever complex problems that you're going through, when you stand in the presence of God, the the presence will bring a new faith in you. It increases your faith, and the Word is activated. Amen? Today I speak that word over you. That the word will be activated in your personal life, in your home, and in your church. As you stand. That's why worship is so important to me. Worship is not a place to think about what you would do after church. I mean, you have a million things going through your head. But worship is... Jesus said that. He says... You know, and the Psalms talk about it. Without a, with a divided heart, you can't worship God. When you come into church, come with the whole heart to say, I'm coming to worship regardless of what I'm facing. Amen? Oh, I have three minutes. Thank you. So in that three minutes, I'll tell you the rest of the things, okay? Second posture was he positioned himself in the people of God. When you position yourself in the people of God, it activates your faith. Oh, I I want to tell a story about my wife. She really put me in my place. Uh, Can I do that? And I'll just... uh, uh, Third one. Okay, I'll do that. I'll just tell a quick uh, quick story. Um, I had just finished my tenure as the national director. We stepped down. My wife is a Malaysian, so we went to Malaysia just to cool off and just think what else God has for us. And so we spent that time there, and in that week, my mother-in-law gave a, a list to go to the mom-and-pop provision store so to buy stuff. So my wife and I drove the car, and we went to the provision store. And when we went there, I suddenly saw my wife and this guy talking in a way that's not really nice, you know, at least for me. They were way too close in their talk, and they were laughing and doing this, and I'm thinking, I never saw this guy before. What is going up in here? And then they break out in another language which I don't understand, and that made it even worse. Because what are they talking now? And so I said, I'm going to talk to my wife about this. So we finished everything, got our, uh, our condiments and everything, and we got into the car. And I was thinking in my mind, how should I talk to my wife about this? And before I could actually think, I said something, I blurted out something that wasn't good. So I told my wife, you know, sweetheart, if you had married this guy, you would have been a wife of a provision store owner. So she kept quiet for a second. And I was driving, and I said, ooh, I got a point now. And then she turns to me, and she says, no, Sam, if I had married him, he would have been the national director of India. (laughs) Ouch. 
Dearly beloved, what I'm trying to say is true. I've come this far because of God and my wife and a bunch of intercessors. Right now as I'm speaking, there's 73 intercessors praying for me. So if you think I'm anointed, (laughs) all you have to do is have a little coffee with my wife. She'll volunteer all my errors. She won't even, uh, you, you don't even have to buy her coffee. Are you with me? What I'm trying to say is, when you are in the people of God, that's why you must be part of a community like Shiloh. Because when you are in that community, it's the people that activate your faith. You have faith, but now you have to be activated in that faith. Okay, now in my last minute, the, the third one is he, he positioned himself in the promises of God. Um, maybe in the second service I will talk about that and not the others. So when you position your faith uh, in the promises of God, it sustains your faith. And finally, when you position yourself in the praises of God, it perpetuates your faith. It Increases your faith, activates your faith, sustains your faith, and perpetuates your faith. That's what happens when you allow God to be the God of your battle. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. Would you mind standing with me? And I, I feel like I want to release that prayer and pray for you where you are, wherever you are. Because God is so good and so kind. He's not a God that will abandon us. Now, Lord Jesus, as these dear ones, your children, my brothers and sisters in the Lord, Lord, I pray, no matter what darkness surrounds them, today is that day that you will increase their faith. Today is that day that you will activate that faith. Today is that day that you will sustain their faith. Today is that day you will perpetuate that faith which will become contagious. Contagious. In Jesus' name. Uh, Who do I turn this over to? Pastor, thank you so much. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I pray that you all have a blessed day today. May God be with you. Keep your eyes on him. And don't fight your battles. I think that's been a clear message today. Release your battles to the Lord. Amen. Thank you so much for praying. Um, If you'd like to to give to to the ministry, you can just give to our missions or just put missions in in the the memo of your check on, on your way out. Thank you so much.